0: We're going to talk about vendors and MSPs and that relationship, which can sometimes be a little bit of a tricky, crazy, whirlwind, awesome, and crazy bad at the same time relationship out there. And uh, so, and the, the title of this week's one, we called it, was what to do when your vendors compete against your MSP. And I'm sure anybody that's run an MSP or an IT company for any period of time out there listening will have had the situation where you have one of your vendors, one of your tier one vendors out there or tier two vendors out there uh, that goes and competes with you and goes and gives um, cheaper pricing and cheaper proposals out to your clients that you've already brought the deal in on for their particular equipment for. And so we see it happen all the time. It happened in my MSP. It's happened in many, many MSPs. And so today we're just going to talk about when that happens, what to do, what we see behind the scenes of the way some of that stuff works and whatnot. Now, Richard asked me very politely to not Hand the reins to him first because he's wildly passionate about this topic. But I'm going to hand the reins to Richard first because he, <laughs> because he said that and and for a specific reason. In that Richard, as most of you will know, obviously owned and ran an MSP. And one of his core tenants in his MSP was that, or one of his core values in his MSP, which was similar to ours, was to treat your vendors very, 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 very well because they're obviously the lifeblood of your business. One of the lifebloods of your business, and treat them as well as you treat your staff and your employees. Uh, sorry, your staff and your clients. Uh, but also now because Richard has, in his current business, two types of clients. He's got MSPs and he's got vendors. So he's he's seeing both sides in there right now at the moment. And so I'm going to hand over to you, Richard. You've probably got a world of thoughts around MSPs and vendors and the whole sometimes this, sometimes this yeah. kind of relationship out there. Um, let's, <laughs> well, thank let's, you. Let's yeah, un- Unleash the floodgates.
1: We were... Having a little bit of a laugh and a joke before we came on when we discussed this uh, topic. So I think for those of you that follow my work, and I know, you know I'm, I'm new to many people here, I'm very outspoken about the relationship between vendors and MSPs being just that, a relationship, a partnership working together. I know that that doesn't match up with many MSPs perception of their relationship with the vendors. But if I rewind a little bit, we'll talk about the bad. First of all, so uh, being a former MSP and myself, and I think this goes for anyone, and I'm, I'm going to call them out here on it because it happened to me, hopefully that practice has changed. But back in the day, when we partnered up with the likes of HP, and Dell to provide hardware and to put together big proposals and projects for clients more than once, unfortunately, we have a situation where the client would phone us and say, we've had a phone call from somebody at Mm -hmm. HP slash Dell, and they're offering us what you've said, but for 15% cheaper. And we're like, Oh, Thanks for that. Yeah, so let us know in the chat if anybody's experienced that. I hope that's not still uh, the situation that's <laughs> happening. But back in the day, you know, people did used to experience that. And we'll, we'll see whether that's still the case. still
0: happens. I've heard of a number of them recently. Yeah. Yep. Now, yeah. of course,
1: that's, you know, we've got two different types of vendors in our sphere, in our world, haven't we? We've got the mainstream vendors. If I talk about them, the you know, you've got the old school Dells and people who provide hardware, and they typically have, two sides to their business don't they? they have a channel business channel being you know selling two msps the likes of us on the call today and then they also have a direct business so they will go directly to consumers directly to businesses to sell their wares that's always a red flag for me that's always a difficult line to uh, navigate because the two are in conflict with one another. Why would you want to go through a partner when the partner's going to take a margin, going to take a slice of the business and you can go directly? There's lots of reasons why they would want to do that. But so that's the first type of uh, vendor. The other type of vendor that we're going to talk about more broadly today, of course, is MSP vendors. So the majority of vendors that you work with probably only have a channel program. So they only sell to MSPs. For me, that's a good situation there, because you don't get that conflict. You don't get your vendors then saying, Oh, thanks for building the relationship for us, Mr. MSP, Mrs. MSP. Now we're going to go directly and cut out the middleman. So there's two types of vendors there. And we can talk about the relationships there. But I just wanted to sort of throw that open in the first instance, Nigel, because it's really important, I think that we're clear between the different types of vendors yeah. that are out there direct and partner based as well.
2: Agreed. The relationship between like the, the, <laughs> the vendor and the direct and the retail and those kind of things, um, there was an interesting discussion I had. I think it might be one of the, one of the tech events a few years ago in terms of how that's actually dealt with from a distributors point of view. So actually with, at least here in the UK for HP, for example, HP's retail stock actually gets sold to. I think it's Ingram Micro, I think Ingram Micro stock all of the UK HP retail um, hardware. And so for the issues that we often had with HP when they would go and sell direct or sell it cheaper, when we went to go back to HP and say, well, look, can you do a deal, Reg? Can you like get the price down? Whatever it might be. For some specific items, they actually had to go back and buy the stock back <laughs> off of Ingram Micro to get it back out of their distribution system to put wow. back to HP to then sell to us as a partner. It was just, it was just ridiculous. Um, but it's it's interesting to know the definitions of they, you know, how disconnected it actually is. It's not like it's just this big pool of kit that just gets sold in different avenues. The actual kit is pre-sold into this just distribution first, and then sold on beyond then. Which is why there's all sorts of issues with stock and you know the retail can have stock when the disties won't have stock because it's all pre-allocated so that's something just worth being aware of um with those but um but yeah i think we can all agree everyone's everyone's had those situations of vendors approaching directly i've heard multiple times and and you're almost stupid if you don't do this but when you deal reg things you deal reg to your own company rather than to the client's company because right. then they don't know yeah. that the client is going to have something for. yeah yeah so that's a very common thing yeah
0: and i think a lot of them have picked up their game a lot in the last probably five to ten years like it was it was rife back in the 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 late 2000s early 2010s where it was every single deal like hp was um horrible at it with things like all of their warranties like care packs and all that kind of stuff like you go and buy it once and bang they get the printer renewals and care pack renewals and everything that would get go direct out there but they got so much kickback from their partners out there which was awesome that they did change around their internal processes and they did make it so that, that they stopped doing that and uh, after a few years we didn't notice it for many many years after it did happen but scott are you seeing any of that in the wild happening to you right now where you've got vendors tier one vendors or msp vendors or anyone competing against you for the deals that you're already essentially won out there and or have you been not
3: not so much. I think I'd, I'd I definitely echo some of the the comments that you guys have made around like the complexity of the channel and actually getting even just getting the best price in the first place. Oh, yeah. So. I was featured in computer weekly uh, this week i think you'll find uh, because, oh, i know right my expert commentary but uh, dell have announced just this week that they are standardizing and streamlining their entire partner process and right. the entire right. pricing and one incentive scheme with right. very clear levels across the board for for everything because even now it's still a complete mess and right. it's, it's just like you know i described it to them as just this complicated dance of knowing who to speak to, what words to say, what funding pots might be available in which quarter and how much discount you can leverage. And we gave a real example. And this is it's a couple of years ago, but we were trying to buy half a million pounds worth of, of server and storage kit. And you know the best price we could get through uh, this particular vendor, it was IBM at the time, was half a million pounds. We'd gone through all of the rigmarole and it was half a million pounds. And then there was just one guy who in our business was, was a buyer and he was like, just let me have a crack at it. I've, I'm like, but dude, we've, we've got the best price. We've, we've screwed them down over this over and over again. And it's down to half a million. It's, it's great. It's, it's way, way down. Just give me a minute. And he went off and he spoke to his contacts and they had some other contacts. And this is all through the same distribution channel to buy the same Mm -hmm. IBM hardware, 360,000 pounds. Oh my goodness. Wow. It was another 140K to be found in the deal.
0: Holy Which
3: And and they were still making money. And we were like, but I battled over this to get it down to half a million. And he's like, yeah, you've just, you gotta know the right buttons to press and the right people. and. But the thing is, as well, like from the from the vendor side, like they they shift in out of roles every 12 months, people move or change or whatever. The account manager move or change or the, the yeah, yeah. manager. Yeah. And so they don't know the pots and the discounts because they're fresh in role and in post. And so like having that buyer in our business was a legendary thing because he knew all the things and he's telling the new account manager, no, man, there's a pot <laughs> for this, a pot for that, and a pot for this. You can get the price down. Three hundred and sixty k. We saved another hundred and forty thousand pounds, and so a couple of conversations. I'm happy. On. Dell are saying, "Yeah, do you know what? We're going to simplify it." But it, it is—it's endemic of of the whole vendor distribution partner, you know, VAR whatever landscape that it's it's bloody difficult to get yeah. to the right price at the right time, and then throw in the mix direct and indirect you know, channel for that vendor yeah. and them seeing and and we all know this right there should be walled gardens between direct and yeah. channel business like those the, that user information for channel should not be passed across to the direct sales team why why on earth would that happen and it's just the vendors being greedy and that is not empowering the partners then to go and win more business like why am i going to go and sell more dell kit when you're phoning up my customers it yeah. just it doesn't make any sense now I have the most recent time this happened was actually with a, a Microsoft distributor. Um, and so that Microsoft distributor very quickly lost quarter of a million pounds a month of revenue from us because they were phoning up our customers and saying to them, Hey, you know, we can do cloud migrations, we can get that you, is- we've noticed you're not you're you're still on premise, we can move you to Office 365. And I was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. You are directly competing with what we do. That is our business. We we are a cloud service provider. We are moving these people from on premise to Microsoft 365. And we buy all of our licenses through you. So all of our spa licensing for that on premise exchange, you're trying to get them off, we buy through you and all of the CSP that we're trying to move them to. We buy through you. I thought, well, you know, sorry, you know, we, we have we have a direct channel as well and we're investing in our uh, cloud consultants and, you know, we see there's great opportunity in the cloud. I'm like, I bet you do because you've yeah. gone from shifting <laughs> to into professional services, which is trampling all over what we do. And yeah. so I was like, I'm sorry, you, you can't carry on doing this. And do you know what they said? They said yeah, look, your business is very important to us. And I was like, (laughs) I bet it is. Quarter of a million pound of Splark, quarter of a million pound of of CSP. Um, It's very important to us. We'd love you to have a meeting with, you know, the directors and the MD. And and we want to have a a real frank conversation about this. When can you come down to Reading? And I was like, dude, I'm in Leeds. (laughs) Uh, Am I going to go on a four hour drive to talk to you about why you're taking our customers and you're approaching them and trying to steal our business? I don't think so. If I'm important to you, you, you're going to come up, right? We're spending an awful lot of money a month. We're important, as you say. Oh, well, you know, yeah, um, they're very busy. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Just stealing customers. Within 30 yeah. days, I'd phoned up another fantastic uh, supplier and said, this is the situation. I, I have roughly a quarter of a million pound of Spark, quarter of a million pound of CSP that I'd like to move. What do you reckon? And they were... Hi. Hello. Um, by <laughs> the way do you, do, do you currently get these rebates? No, I've never heard of them. Right. Okay, let's let's help you get those rebates. Do you currently get these? No, I've never heard of those either. Cool. So not only did we get out of a terrible relationship with a, a you know a distributor who was trying to approach our customers, but also we ended up netting another 8% margin <laughs> on those licenses by shifting distributor. Yeah, right. I know like, this is
0: The other DC was already sucking up on their end
3: exactly and so when you you think you're in a great relationship and then you know you're you're doing the right thing like i'm putting i'm shoveling money your way that you don't have to work for and you just think and i I get it it's distribution they're making like one percent
0: yeah yeah, yeah
3: but i'm still you know we're doing all the work here we're, you know, yeah. you're getting that one percent that that's what you make on those licenses i understand i understand you want consultancy and professional services and that's, that's how the profitable. channel model works <laughs> simple as that yeah. yeah yeah you have the volume and you get one percent of it but it was it was absolutely shocking to me that right. this would even happen but the nice thing was it was you know it it was very easy for us to go cool you know channel is channel and we can buy these from you we can buy them from somewhere else, and we just voted with our feet and moved within thirty days.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. One yeah, of the yeah. challenges I see a lot with, particularly with disties um, distributors, is that it depends on the like the rep that you get. Because we had ours. Mm. I mean, sure, I'm sure everyone else has had the same situation. The rep changes oh, more yeah. often than you like it to. Ooh, <laughs> um, yeah. That's for the sure. The we tough role to the fill. they wouldn't last six weeks, let alone six yeah. months. Um, but the, the the biggest concern we had when moving reps yeah. was do they understand the vendors that we sell? Do they understand all the intricacies? Do they understand the deal reg process? Because the number of times, particularly with HP or HPE on the server side of things, going through the deal reg process and they didn't understand how it worked. And so we kind of flip-flop between sometimes we would do the deal reg and we'd kind of push everything through and then we'd ask them just for the final pricing. Sometimes they would actually do it for us because they understood it and they'd build the deal reg and build the, um, the bill of materials and push it through. But when things changed, it was just anyone's anyone's goal of like, yeah. <laughs> what do we do here? And yep. sometimes if they didn't know, it was so so difficult. And, and there's one there's, there's one question I'm going to put to um, uh, you all here. I think I mentioned it, it last week when we ch- when we chatted. How can you as a small nimble MSP compete against the bigger vendors, bigger distributors? bigger competitors and there's one particular place and i'm going to name drop them because they are not say name drop them citrix citrix are um not a nice (laughs) (laughs) not a nice company to be trying to sell so the scenario is we've been selling citrix for many many years into lots of our clients and we had one renewal come up it was fairly big renewal for us it came up And as most kind of larger companies do, they go out, not for tender, but they go out and get two or three quotes. Everyone came back with the same quote. Cool, meant we had the same deal-reg pricing with Citrix. Great, okay, cool. The client then took so long to decide that the quote that we had and everyone else had, had expired. So the client eventually came back and said, "Yep, we want to go ahead with it now. I'm like, happy with the price. Yep, great, okay. So we went back. Oh, sorry, the quote's expired. We're gonna have to re-quote you. Re-quoted it, completely different price. It bumped up by, 20% 20% or whatever it was. We went back and obviously sold them the price and said, hey, sorry, you, you missed the boat. The price has gone up. However, the other uh, competitor had gone back to Citrix, gone, well, no, we, we're, we're gonna pay that price still, the price that you originally quoted us. And they bent over and gave them the price. Ooh, and the, the, the wording was, because we had this sales engineer come in to, to, to meet and we spoke to them, it was because, oh, we're bigger, we spend a lot more with them, so they basically do what we tell them to do. Ooh oh so oh, it's a difficult one but yeah. how the hell do you compete against that kind of market oh, where, it's, where it's, it's the bigger boys get the bigger the, the better deals and yeah. people like us and smaller msps we just we just can't win those kind of things well scott so you're there's the conundrum
0: you have been both. You're the small MSP now, and you were the big MSP yeah. you know, before in the previous yeah. role. And I, you, I you, wouldn't you, even
2: class myself not not even the.
0: I mean, we were competing against
2: a, a firm that had millions and millions of turnover. They yeah, were, yeah. you know, a, a Citrix shops. So they had a very tight relationship with Citrix. They're like Citrix Platinum partnerships, and we were like the the silver, maybe the gold level. So we were, you know, uh, up and coming. But it's very much. I, I see what's happening with a lot of distributors, and actually, Tech Data. I, I'll, I'll sing their praises because they certainly went through a phase where. Yes, they had lots of the larger um, accounts on their books, but they realized actually if they could work with the smaller accounts and uh, put some effort behind that, they could grow a lot of those smaller accounts into obviously more spend with them. And it's a lot easier to have lots of small clients for them, less risk than having just these few big players. And like Scott's had, if someone decides to up and move their spend, well, now they've just lost half a million pounds worth of spend a year. Whereas that's very unlikely with a lot of smaller clients. So that that was my my conundrum and mm. I, I don't honestly know <laughs> how we could have done any different on that other it's, than it through things.
1: Not through. a direct answer here Pete but I want to give a shout out as well to uh, the 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 buying groups that are out there. So Scott you talked about a buyer earlier on the buyer role uh, within the business and how well that can work for for bigger MSPs. For for the nimble and uh, small and mid-sized MSPs, buying groups can also give you a little bit of that leverage, a little bit of that strength there. So network group here in uh, the UK, and there's, there's plenty out there, there's Brigantia, there's, you know, whichever part of the world you're in, there's going to be something similar there. But the idea, let's give an example, I'm not sure, I hope I'm not speaking at a turn here. It's just between you and I. But you know, a network group used to have an arrangement with HP, for instance, where uh, the tier the discounts and the support that was given to network group members wasn't based on the one MSP. It was based on them all together. (laughs) So all together, they were like, if not the top of one of the top five, like HP partners in the UK, based on all of it cumulatively t- together, and the support they got, the discounts and the rebates and everything were based on that accordingly. So, you know, a shout out for 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 buying groups of that nature
2: that can really help you to sort of leverage. The other thing I would say, in the is, go ahead, Pete. Sorry, yeah. Just a question on that one, very quickly. So, yeah. with the buying group, and we had this with with some distributors because you have the different tiers of distributors. So with the buying group, does that yeah. then not detract away from your, yourself as being a, like a HP partner because you're not directly doing the sales? I, I couldn't speak to
1: that directly. I would, I would say that most of the MSPs that I know that are part of, say, network group and uh, things like that are happy with the arrangement. So they get more benefits than they would do if they went directly, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah but uh, i'm not some sure exactly
0: so. some of the ones that i've seen with the buying groups what they do is you're still got the, the relationship direct so you can still be a silver gold whatever partner it is but you just get tagged as being a part of the buying group in the back end of their crm which then okay. gives you the price breaks essentially and whatever other things that yeah. they have got in there so you still get maintain that one-to-one relationship in there depends different vendors do it differently but i've seen that happen a number of times with the buying groups mm-hmm. scott you were gonna okay. say something then?
3: Yeah. So I think, I mean, to Pete's point around, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself? I think it's, it's what we always say when we talk about this stuff, it's use your own differentiators. So, you know, for us, tin has always been tin when we were, you know, (laughs) ginormous MSP and when, you know, where we are today and licenses are licenses. And we, we always aim to make minimal margin on those because they shouldn't be a, a factor that the client's making the decision on. If they're making the decision based purely on price, then I don't feel like we've done a great job in the sales process of, of you know, understanding why they would work with us. Um and yeah, I get it. You know, if you're buying a huge amount of server hardware, like what I talked about, that half a million pound order, yeah. Do you know what? Additional discounts are going to make a big difference. But for most agile nimble MSPs, it's going to be, you know, a small order or a small set of licenses or, you know, some small hardware. And I'd be putting minimal margin on that and what I would be doing is making sure that our service is you know is absolutely astounding it does everything the client wants and more and beats the expectations of the other msp out of the water and that is priced fairly for them and great for you to make good margin that's how I would approach these things and I just think you know we're, we're never going to win the race on on putting minimum amounts of margin on hardware and licenses that's just not where we're going to get paid we're not distribution yep. and so you know, even when we were you know, the 200 million pound, but whatever MSP we were, we, we kind of had a static approach that was like our basic model is 10% on tin. And they're like, oh, yeah, but we're getting 45% discount. Like, I don't care. It's 10% on tin because we're not making our money on tin. We're right. going to make our money on the services. But we could, who cares? What we're going to do is end up in a bidding war. then with The customer can get either go online and get a better price or find some refurb kit, kit is not the, the interesting point here. The interesting point is the service. So 10% on tin, if we need to barter, we'll drop it to five, I don't care. What we're gonna do is charge for the services that we provide. Um, and that's that's how we run things here as well. You know, That's a lesson that I learned is I, I don't wanna barter on kit and licenses. I wanna show you what we do and why it's great and why it's gonna be good for you as a business. Because tin comes and goes. I, I don't care if they buy the tin from us or not. Genuinely. Especially because-
0: with the liability. Um, I don't know if you guys have got the same out there in the UK as what we do out here when you're reselling kit in that you're wholly responsible for warranty and all that sort of stuff out here because you're the person that actually made the sale. And um, and so 10% is not enough to, to me to be able to offset that liability that I have in the deal in there. So we were like, if, if we could make 25 to 30 points margin out of a, a kit, we wouldn't sell it. We would just send them direct because I had liability out here that I had to uphold. I had to go and, like, yeah. if there was warranty issues, I literally had to send trucks free of charge, and I had to do all of that stuff free of charge because of Australia's warranty and consumer protection laws out here. And well, um, no, you and I talked about before. Like, I, I
1: had an infamous situation where I was working with an MSP and talking about margins uh, with them, and they – I think I've shared this with you. They said to me, oh, yeah, we charge 15%. I was like, yeah. you're probably making a loss yeah. on selling right, hardware, yeah. and they were like, what? No, 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 no. Look, it shows here. <laughs> So I sat with them and over a period of three months, we actually, and again, this all comes back to a fundamental tenet of managed service, track your time.
0: Track your time so in once the Once you start tracking yeah. the time, I
1: yeah. actually highlighted like with the supplier, how much was spent on the order on the sales process? All right. How much was spent yeah. on order uh, fulfillment? How much was spent on RMA's? Yeah. And we actually worked easy. out they were making a loss overall, three <laughs> percent loss on selling hardware. <laughs> so I was like, "Why are you selling hardware?
0: Yeah, yeah either
1: yeah. put it up to 30 percent, or let them or go direct because it. it's not worth your while."
2: But yeah, so yeah. there's a little nugget you've dropped in there, Just, it's not related to what we're talking about now, but just tracking the time you spend on the sales process, oh, yeah. is such a big thing that's worth doing. No um, there was one particular example where we were selling a phone system into a client and we were literally selling it to them for an entire year of sales effort. Multiple demos, I think we got to about <laughs> the third or fourth demo where we just turned around and said, look, we've spent way too long now, we're not gonna make any money now doing this, even if we <laughs> sold this to you at the price we're selling it to you, we're ba- yeah. basically breaking even. Um, and I think it's around about that time they decided to actually buy the phone system. But yeah, tracking your time your, on your cell tracker, yeah. yeah,
0: huge yeah. thing. People just don't huge. realize, and I, I think all of us probably fall for the mistake of just assuming that we can't get much margin in product resale as well. And so I, when I started in my journey, I was like, oh, like. I hear other MSPs saying it's hard to get 10%. So I went, it's hard to get like my belief then was it's hard to get 10%. So I always just quoted 10% margin and everything. Then I started after years getting around other MSPs that are going oh, dude, we, we get 30 to 40 points. What are you, the heck are you doing getting 10 points? And then I went, oh, maybe my beliefs need to change a little bit in here. And they did. And for many, many years, probably six or seven years, we were getting 20 to 40 points on average across every single thing we sold. And it was a belief thing more than anything else out there. It was just that I just didn't know that you could go and get that out there. But to your your question as well, Pete, around how does the small person do that? I think um, one of the other things that Richard touched on before is, is it, it, and it's not going to get you the whole way sometimes, but it will get you part of the way. It's just doubling down on the relationship with your vendors out there and just being that person. Because if you've if you've got a vendor out there that's going to go and do that, what they did to you out there, but you've got a hot friend inside that particular vendor, then there's that, that adds to the chance of them going, oh, I'm going to pull away from this deal a bit, or I'm at least going to give Pete some heads up, or I'm going to do something in there as well. And I think that relationship is so darn valuable. And it's like the, the core value that we had in our MSP, and Richard, I know you shared this one in your MSP, was uh, we want to be our client's favorite vendor and our vendor's favorite client. And that was a core value that we had up around the wall on everything. And um, and we worked hard at it. It wasn't just something that we, we didn't take at face value. We actually worked hard to try and maintain those open relationships with vendors and disties so that if there was situations like that happening behind closed doors, it was kind of hard for them to make those situations happen because they knew us and they liked us and they didn't like doing that kind of stuff to, to people they liked. And whereas if you're the MSP out there, that's always a give me more margin, and I need to screw you screw you down more, and <laughs> you're the dirty nasty vendor, and I'm going to scream at you every time there's a single problem out there. Then when that situation comes along, the, the person on the other end of the line is like, oh, I can't wait to go and send this deal across to their competitor. This guy's driving me mad, and so that that relationship is so darn important in in um in it as well. It won't take you the whole way, because sometimes dollars just talk very loud more than anything else. But it's going to give you a really good chance. Can we talk about the playbook a little bit there? Because, Nigel,
1: it's worked for your MSP. It's worked for my MSP. So people say, oh, yeah, but it's just you. You know, you've already been there and done that. Like I am telling you, whilst everything what Nigel has just said there, the playbook that we used, and to say playbook makes it sound a little bit like this is a – you know a sales technique or whatever it wasn't it was just whatever. going back to the thing that we talk about every week which is building up sustainable long-term relationships with people so when we ran the when I ran the MSP business um, we used to have conversations with the account managers we used to phone the account managers at our <laughs> vendors this is like virtually whole idea of. the vendor account managers and I'm speaking to everybody out here today They are used to phoning you, you seeing their number on the DDI and then sending it to voicemail or letting the office manager say, no, he's not available. So let's let's address that first of all. If you make the outbound call to your vendor account manager, and if you don't know who your account manager is, find out, just get in touch and say, who's my account manager? Oh, we don't have one. Can we have one? So that's the very first step. And then we phoned our account manager and we said, hey, we just wanted to introduce ourselves, you know, uh, have a little chat. This is what we're doing in the business. But then we stopped talking about ourselves and we used to say to them, how can we help you? How can we become your favorite partner? And then there was a deeply awkward silence because the vendor account managers are rarely, if ever, asked this. They're usually asked, well, I want NFRs, I want marketing development funds, I want this, 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 gimme, gimme, gimme. They're rarely asked, how can we help you? And so some of them would freak out and say, what are you trying to headhunt me? No, 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 we're asking how, how can we help you? And the questions we asked them were, what do you get bonus on? Yeah, what do you get bonus on? Now, you would be surprised, you know, you think that, and obviously, for most vendors, it is the amount of licenses that are sold. But it's not just that we found out that our account managers, were often compensated on the number of new partners that came through the door so we said no worries at all we're going to become your favorite partner and we're going to talk about you all the user groups online everywhere else we're going to introduce people to you mr or mrs account manager the second thing was many vendor account managers said well actually we get rewarded if your team achieve certifications and go through our qualifications and that because we know it's going to lower our cost of support So we said, no worries, we are going to commit right here today, that all of our team, everyone on the team is going to go through your certification. And this blew their minds. And so going back to Nigel's point, we regularly then with big vendors, with small vendors, everything in between, you know, I've talked on the show before that the old goal, the go giver type phrase that it's human nature to want to reciprocate. Those vendor account managers were then actively keeping that antenna up to push deals across to yeah. us yeah, and yeah. to help us. And if you think, I'll, I'll say one final thing on this before I get off my soapbox. If you think this only works with small vendors and it doesn't work with big vendors, my MSP, we were about a quarter of a million turnover or thereabouts, I, f- I forget the exact timeline. Um, we were the first MSP in the UK to roll out Windows 7 a year ahead of anyone else. And people said, well, how the heck did you get that deal? We became friends with them. We spoke at user group events. We helped the Microsoft community. We became somebody that when it came to, oh, we need to start beta testing Windows 7, who can we get to do this? They came to us because they needed somebody across the whole um, uh, spectrum, not just big or small. So I'll get off my soapbox there, yeah. but you know this stuff works and it's not just it is.
0: me and Nigel saying this is theoretical, this stuff works. Yeah. One of the ones that I saw with um, Microsoft when, when I had my MSP was when BPOS was becoming Office 365 and that transition of them, Microsoft just trying to go really bullish on Office 365 was their partner account managers getting incentivized on platform adoption. In there, right. and so the more that we, as an MSP, could get our our clients using Office 365, the more our partner account manager was happy, and to, to kept going and sending us deals our way because we were we were helping. But when Microsoft obviously knew that platform adoption tied directly into retention metrics in there, and so they were they were incentivizing that, and that was another one to look out for. That initially you might not think like you might think it's all about licenses, but licenses that churn are not really worth their weight in salt if you can get them with that platform adoption, and you get your partner account manager's KPIs met because of that. Um, all for the better, which is good. The other question I just want to finish off that the particular part was there is that this is a question that I, I encourage all MSPs, like especially nimble MSPs, um, to always continually think about, and that is, what w- would I still be a wildly awesomely profitable MSP if I didn't resell product whatsoever? If I just had the yeah. services side of my business, and if not, then what can I do to make that happen out there? And so that 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 the it doesn't matter then if you, you're going to have you're going to lose deals. It doesn't matter if you've got to go down to stupid margins to compete on all the resale side of things. You're still a wildly profitable and wildly, wildly well set up MSP just on the services side alone. And I think it's a, a question that every MSP out there should be continually asking themselves is, Is are we wildly profitable on services only if all of that other product side of our business just completely disappeared overnight? And if you can do that and fo- have that as a focus, it's going to make life much easier for you. And you're going to care less when all of these dirty back of the room tactics happen, which they're still always going to happen uh, behind the scenes. So, can I throw some else in, Nigel? No, just no, like,
1: please, please. Uh, see, I have to fight for my time here when I'm not over talking everybody else. Uh, yeah, one of the things. So we we talked about like Dell and HP and that. And we're not we're not here to you know to bash the big players. You know that's not our mo. But for those of you who think that I, you know, we have to provide hardware to our clients. They expect it from us. First of all, you know, to Narja's point here, that might be an assumption on your part. So I would definitely investigate that. But if you decide you do want to provide hardware, Dell, HP, you know, all of these players, they're not the only players in town. You know, and I've talked about this, and this has worked very well for us with internet service providers when I ran the MSP. Instead of working with the big ISPs who piled them high, sold them cheap, sort of thing, and the support was uh, accordingly, you can actually go to you know boutique and other hardware uh, vendors as well. So like if you're providing PCs, servers, workstations, that type of thing, uh, there's a, a member of the tech tribe, Utopia Computers, based in uh, Scotland, who do these insanely awesome kit with amazing after support and things like that. So if you are going down that road of providing Mm -hmm. hardware, have a look around and see how you yeah. can differentiate yourself from the competition by not just providing the same beige or black boxes that everybody else does, but by providing some really kick-ass awesome equipment. Yeah. And it might might be that you go to a, a you know a supplier like Craig team. Hume at Utopia or PC Specialist, whoever it might be, to there's, differentiate yourself from the competition.
0: There's one that I do hear a lot about in the MSP space over in the US as well, called Carbon Systems. And I know a number of Tech Tribe users use them and they've they've slotted themselves in the in the channel in that kind of space where they're channel only. They only deal directly to channels, so they'll only sell to MSPs, and they allow you to white-label your own kit. But they deal with all of that back-end warranty and on-site support and everything um, really, really, really well. And so there's a few that pop up in that space. If you are getting a runaround or if you've, you're kind of jack of dealing with a tier one, there's a, a couple of great tier two ones bouncing around the place now, like like Craig stuff and like Carbon Systems and um, and whatnot as well.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, there's one. Um, is there not one like an issue when using smaller suppliers though? I know. I know. Obviously, there's benefits to it, but there's risks there as there well because there. they're a smaller supplier. Yes. And certainly, um, you guys have seen the recent Mikey announcement with them yes. selling out <laughs> and having all their products. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Whoa. <laughs> a bit of a surprise. And yeah. um, so there's definitely a risk, and that's something that I would kind of. Yeah. You know, it's something you have to factor in, I think, to those. Depends, you do.
0: And the, the other risk in there as well is, um, like, when you go to someone like HP. And, like, for us, we we um, standardized on the HP 600 small form factor uh, Evo business desktop, whatever it was, for many, 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 many years. And so that meant that we could keep our SOEs up to date very easily because we had this standardized thing that just ran for, for so long. And sometimes you can lose that if you go to a Tier 2 vendor out there. But some of the ones that are starting to pop up are the ones that are now shifting tens of thousands of bits of kit. So they're not they're not kind of tiny players now. They're starting to get into that middle tier space and do – like. I'm hearing really awesome stock levels out of them and and whatnot as well. So I think there's going to be a ton of smaller ones. There's going to be a few that rise through that to kind of become those middle tier boutique ones that will hold a place in the marketplace. But you're right, you've got to be careful that you're not dealing with someone too tiny that um, is going to disappear the next day. And then you're left carrying the bag of the warranty for the rest of the, the time in there. Uh, you've got to kind of find someone with some stability. And these guys that I just mentioned, I know they've been around now for Kind of five years and have got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of msps throughout the us and are dealing with tens of thousands of pieces of kit not not fifty hundred two hundred here and there like they've, they've got some volume going through them
1: yeah it's worth looking around so just remember the, you all have oh sorry richard i'm sorry i was just going to say that, uh, pete you, you're too young for this but uh <laughs> some of the older members of the team uh there was an adage in the 1980s wasn't there? nobody got fired for buying ibm yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, for for anybody who did, so I'm scratching, it, what they what did. What well, IBM at the time were perceived to be the only manufacturer yeah. of equipment, and of course nowadays, you know, anybody who's been through that realizes we've got IBM-compatible equipment, and that's, that's <laughs> a little history lesson there. But back in the day, you know, corporate buyers and that they'd say, "Oh well, nobody got fired for buying IBM," and IBM would basically say, "Well, we're not going to be the best, but you're not going to get fired if you buy it from us." <laughs> so, <laughs> Breeds complacency. Yeah. thank goodness everybody changed it otherwise we wouldn't have the dell we wouldn't have the hp and things like that so you know it's might be a facetious point there pete but you know the, i think it's worth looking around at the
3: smaller supplies mm-hmm. despite the risks
0: i just want to jump in sorry you go, Scott. Scott, Scott. yeah i
3: just wanted to think because pete mentioned mikey and yeah that was that was quite a surprise announcement that happened uh this week and now uh, even the app's been updated so as the app opens up it goes by the way this is this is you know dead on 10th of april um but i had a call from our account manager at mikey uh yesterday and like there's absolutely no reason for him to phone up other than the relationship that we have. And I think it just it, it goes back to what we said about building that relationship with, you know, with your suppliers and your, and your partners. And so Paul gave us a call just to kind of, again, just run through. I mean, we've already seen the announcement. We know what it is, but he just wanted to run through it and add his own personal context to it. And, you know, that's the kind of relationship call where you go, well, Paul, are you OK? Have you still got a job? Is everything, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. are they keeping the UK operation? and he's like yeah that's cool you know i he was really heartened by the fact that so many people that he spoke to were actually checking in on him and that like he hadn't been affected by this they weren't just Amazing. you know scuttling operations and and clearly there is a plan for whatever's going to happen with Mikey in the future as it integrates with uh jump cloud cloud jump cloud uh, yeah, yeah. um and so but it was just it, there was no need for that call there was no need for us to catch up you know we know what's happening we've got to get off in 45 days he wasn't phoning to try and get us to stay he wasn't phoning to apologize or anything like that. he was just it, this is a relationship that we have i mean it was as unexpected yeah 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 but there was it you know even though there's obviously a future for whatever's going to happen. He wasn't kind of saying, "Hey, you know, stick around and we'll be back in six months, and you know, don't don't make any hasty. Change. There was none of that. It was just a real nice, honest conversation. Um, it's good to, hear. but he'd said, you know that there was a lot of uh, you know, a lot of noise that came out that first announcement. Oh, yeah. He got a lot of vitriol and and yeah. hatred coming at of him, And then by the Friday, people would turn to that oh, yeah, sorry, we' calm down. Are you okay? Have you got a job? <laughs> you know, let's think about people. Um, but the other thing that he mentioned, which just escaped my brain.
0: Oh, my I God. Can see it I had a floating really up interesting there. point and it went, come back. No, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it floated up into
2: Richard's square. Who's above it, it him. Do what <laughs> I do. Let
1: Pete talk for a bit and then just interrupt him.
2: <laughs> okay. I'll, Sorry. I'll, I'll pick it up. If you remember then, just, just yeah. Um, so, when clients do decide to go direct, and they're not, they've just gone, you know, HP online store or Dell online store mm. or whatever. And they found something; that's cheaper. They think it's the right thing. Um, I'd like to know if anyone else did anything different, because there's obviously lots of different ways you can deal with that. So something we would do is, um, we would always do everything at a fixed price if we sold it. If the client mm. went and acquired it elsewhere, we would only do a pay and go basis yeah. because we don't know if what they bought is the right thing. Yep. If right. it's working, because it might be a DOA when, when we go out to install it, uh, whether it's compatible with the right things, we've got the right software on there. There was too much risk on that so that we would just go, okay, well, it's, it's pay and go. What, however long it takes us, we bill you for it. I've also seen some other people, maybe one of you guys, not then include the warranty cover under support. So if there was any ever issues with that machine, ever any issues with that machine, sorry, they wouldn't be able, be the ones to sit on the phone and speak to Dale and raise the support case. It's, I'm sorry, it's, it's down to you now. You bought it you phone them and, and you deal with it. Yeah. Um, did anyone else deal with that any differently? Yeah, we did exactly exactly, exactly. the same way
1: as that. And we, we used to include, uh, we used to say, look, if you buy the kit from uh, us, and we used to be open about the markup, We'd say like we charge 20 percent. so if you go directly to dell hp or whatever you'll probably get it cheaper but what we do is we're going to look after the warranty for you um, we actually used to say that we we will include two hours free setup of that pc because i don't know why it was something tangible that they felt like oh your hourly rate is like 90 pounds an hour over that's 180 quid so it helps them make the calculation there and, and we used to say you know you're welcome to go uh, uh, directly uh, to them, but yeah, you'll you'll we'll charge you for for this other stuff, and we ended up doing
3: most of
0: the most of the kit uh, directly with us as a result of that. So it's a good idea. Yeah, we we were the exact same as you, Pete, and same as you, Richard, in that um, it, it only happened to us a couple of times, and I remember those times very specifically. But And we were so darn lucky that I did what you did, Pete, and said, okay, well, we're not doing it in our fixed fee because we were always fixed fee setups as well for, or not always, but in at least the last four or five years of my MSP was a fixed fee install price on everything. And we used to, we started off like that one before Richard where- we used to sell a PC and I'd throw in installation until I started running my numbers on that and realizing that I was losing money on every PC <laughs> install in sure. the operators. We ended up like for the last three or four years of having my MSP, our fixed fee PC install was five hundred dollars or seven hundred and fifty dollars, depending on whether it was standard or advanced, and that was in addition to the PC sale itself. But um, but we were so darn lucky. And the couple of clients that did that, they went direct on Amazon or the local computer online thing and did it. And we went okay, well. We're not, um, like this thing here, we can't do our fixed fee on it because we don't, like you said, Pete, we don't know what it is. Mm. And I can remember the two occasions not I just laughed because one of them, they did the buy Windows Home thing. So oh, always. Every okay. second of our time trying to upgrade to Windows um, <laughs> Pro and whatever was 100% billable. And they, instead of paying a 495 fixed fee install, they paid something like $800 or $900 to us for that, that particular one. They learned that lesson and always bought from us there on in. And the second one was a printer that they went and bought um, from someone else and it was doa and um and again they they ended up having about a 500 because they go oh can you guys just deal with it and i said yeah of course we can but we're charging you for per second to deal with this stuff because you didn't buy with it from us and again even after that they even swapped to buying toners from us which they never bought to us before after that just because of that process and so we were very lucky in that it, it really happened there was a few more instances but not too many but when it did it always ended up in our favor because they realized how stupid it was of them to buy it and what benefits we actually did provide to that. And that then became stories and fodder for when we spoke to other clients about why it's better to buy through us out there. And so yeah. it, um, it, is, it, it still happens, though, everywhere out there. And I think it still always comes down to relationship mm-hmm. and it still comes down to that question that I asked before is making sure that you are still making money on all of that services and everything else, even if you didn't sell that bit of tin in there. The bit of tin is kind of the, the icing on the cake. And I know a lot of MSPs right now are struggling um, even with the supply chain issues right now with stock and Amazon being like clients being able to go to Amazon and get anything cheaper and faster and more in stock than anywhere else out there I don't know are you guys seeing that as one of the bigger challenges over there as well that kind of Amazon supply chain sitting in there getting in the way with clients wanting to to buy direct yeah especially at
3: the the price 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 points as well yeah because they like you you'll go to distribution and get a price and then they'll just go on Amazon and go well I can get a better price
0: same part right, number right. as well, is it?
3: Cool, all right, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, why, why not? It's probably worth fixing lately, that With, with that HP
2: happens? and their retail store all the time, and right. I, I think Ooh. I mentioned this last time, but when we raised it with HP, they had a process to go through to compete against their online store. Literally, it was a, a, a one-page <laughs> PDF process of, if you run into this issue, you follow this process. Like, the fact you have like spent the time of putting a one-pager together, to give to your MSP partners, <laughs> surely points out there's a problem somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably great worth they a had little, a like, to get through, but it was one lessons, of those frustration distribution. Because when, when you went through the process, um, you know, go through, you'd enter the competing price so they then match the price and you go, cool, we've matched the price. Oh, but hang on, where's our margin? So then you have to go back again, get them to add some more margin onto the price, knock some more money off. And like the client, like we were saying with, with Amazon, the client's gone from "I can buy this today and have it tomorrow" to like "Oh, sorry, can you can you just wait a yeah. week?" We you know we're yeah. going back and forth between our partners, yeah. and it is you know the whole relationship gets busted up by that point because time time's money, yeah. and they're keen on purchasing something then, not in a week's time. It's just it's difficult, yeah. very very difficult. Sorry, Richard. No, not at
1: all. I was uh, I was doing it for comedy effect. I, that was why I was speaking <laughs> over you, Pete. After what I said earlier, no, it's it's probably worth it because a lot of our viewers are going to be fairly new to the space, and this whole idea of distribution and the channel is going to be you know fairly new to them, uh, full stop. So it's probably worth mentioning. Well, how on earth can you go to somebody like Amazon? And get a cheaper price than going directly to hp to buy the kit because it's like head scratching and it's all to do the way distribution works now historically we had tier one and tier two distributors so amazon and, and feel free to correct me in the comments if i'm incorrect with this now but amazon would be classified as what i call a tier two distributor so they buy in bulk from a tier one distributor like a west coast or a tech data or whatever who buy directly in bulk from HP. So you would have thought if you cut out the middleman and go straight to HP, you're going to get a better deal. It doesn't work like that for all the reasons we mentioned during today's show. They get bulk buying discounts that then gets passed down. So, you know, Amazon can end up buying 10,000 PCs for a, a 60% discount. Whereas if you go directly to HP,
0: you can't get that same deal. So that's the way distribution worked. Yeah. One of the other approaches that I saw a couple of MSPs, especially there, there was one um, one of my dear friends out here who owned an MSP that I've owned for many years. He's no longer with us anymore, a, a, an awesome MSP owner named Tony. But what he eventually got to in his MSP was, especially with Australia's consumer protection laws around all that warranty stuff and whatever, he ended up getting to the point where he said, okay, my MSP from today onwards does not resell kit full stop. We do not resell anything out there. But what we will do is we will consult with you to go and, build you, your shopping list for you and we will place the shopping order we'll do all of that work for you for, I think he used to put a fixed fee margin of eight to 10% or whatever on whatever it was. And that meant that he had no liability, no anything in there, the whole lot was service fees on top. And it worked well for him. He ran that model for many years. And I know then another couple of MSPs that, that kind of mirrored that because they were sick of the whole taking the warranty claims on the chin and... Uh, I know there was a few of the, or every vendor goes through that that process where they, they push down their quality when they're trying to achieve price breaks. And then you you get hit with um, RMAs, every second piece of kit you get. And he was kind of sick of dealing with that. And he just shifted to this model where he goes, okay, we only make our money out of, like, we'll build the shopping list for you. We'll do all this stuff. We'll, we'll take a percent shopping list fee on top of it, which was very transparent then. So the clients could then go and see exactly what he's making out of it. And he had zero liabilities out there in terms of it. So it's, a, it's definitely an approach you can take if if you're in a jurisdiction like ours, where the consumer protection laws are pretty tight around that kind of stuff, or if you're just jack of dealing with disties and you just want to go and and just act in the best interest of clients, and you're making the margins that you want to make properly out of the service side, if you're MSP out there.
2: Also, something I'll throw in there as well, actually, with um, when you're doing run up against these issues and you're you're struggling, you're not finding the right person, you're going through LinkedIn, you're going through phone, whatever you can do. Um, events are starting to go back on again. Events are great places to go and have these oh, discussions. Yeah. I've had so many good contacts made through going to events like Canalis a few years ago, um, you know, in places like Datacon, like all the vendor events yeah. you can go to. Yeah. They've all got the right people. there, like very, very high up people. And I remember bumping into, um, I think it was like the one of the directors of Mimecast when we were at one of the events. And we had a Mimecast issue at the time. So I could mm-hmm. literally get a direct conversation going with him and trying to explain my predicament, the issues we were struggling. And um, we, we got some action made because we were physically there. Um, so it's well worth going to these events. You know, if, if you've got some yeah. issues, you know you want to talk about, and you know those vendors are going to be there, then then make that one of your objectives when you go there to find the right person and, and go and have those discussions.
1: Yeah, Jason Kemsley in the chat uh, makes the the point. He says, uh, from what I see, many MSPs don't choose suppliers with values and integrity in mind, or even ask about it. They choose based on their shiny toys or perks and uh, pricing. Or price. Couldn't agree. Couldn't, couldn't agree oh, was- more, Jason. You know, so many people. Uh, You know, this stuff that we talk about, relationship, and what Pete just talked about, building relationships with people, uh, it's not a woo-woo concept. This is not like a, oh, well, you know, we're talking about something that's intangible. This really works for MSPs, and, you know, the MSP business is all about relationships fundamentally. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Pete. Get out to
0: those events and, you know, bump elbows with people and uh, build relationships Hang some noise, yep. Then, then you know whose throat to choke when that stuff does happen out there and hopefully it doesn't. Well, I think we've answered every single question that could possibly be asked around this vendor space now. We've got 10 minutes. Sorry. We're done. What can we do? <laughs> what can we dive into here? Have we missed any points around that whole vendor thing that um, I can't think of any? I think that was kind of a, a good I, – I, like that conversation there, if I had heard a conversation like that in year one of my MSP, my whole journey would have been different. My whole bloody journey would have been different, and um, and they were all lessons learned. And I'm sure the, the the other guys on here are the same. Is that all those lessons were learnt the hard way, like in the trenches, and making the mistakes, and realizing, like getting caught sometimes in in believing things without testing those assumptions and testing those beliefs, and and just becoming you're getting stuck in an echo chamber of just whoever's around you in your network. And I think as I grew in my network of of influence and people that were around me. The more i saw that i could go out and and actually treat vendors with respect and get treated with respect in return the more i could go out and get margins that were three four times what i was originally getting the more i could go out and and do all this kind of stuff and so i think um if anything if anyone's on this conversation hopefully you've got a little bit of inspiration and that's helped you increase your belief circles around what you can do out there and where you could should go out there and i think i think as to sum it all up, it really just comes back to that relationships, right? Like it is just, you've got the best chance of, of winning in all of these scenarios if you invest into your relationships and if you put that time, effort and energy, like Richard said, being the the MSP that's proactively calling the account manager, like that's that's being the person that's that's zigging when everybody else is zagging out there and that's going to get you the best chance of, of getting through this or not even getting through this, but being the person that doesn't get affected anywhere near as much as what, you hear it. And I one of the things I do see out there as a kind of a, a general observation in the MSP world is the, the vendors, oh, sorry, the MSPs that are always the ones that are screaming and complaining about the vendors doing all this stuff to them are the same ones that are screaming and complaining about the vendors in the marketplace. And right. I think that the correlation is not causation, right? But I think it actually is in this instance, right? You're out there screaming to these vendors and you're complaining and you're being the person that's always angry and negative and whatever you're gonna have that stuff happen to you more and more and more because behind the scenes they're gonna go, oh well, I'm not gonna help this person out because they're they're not my friend, they're my enemy. They treat me like my enemy, and um and that's that's I think the the biggest outcome of this whole thing to me. End rant.
1: End, End rant. rant. Can I make a, a quick point as well about the you know I, I've got publicly flagellated for this before talking about <laughs> alternative suppliers. You know, uh, I'll tell a story back in the day, for those of us who are old enough, remember a a product called Microsoft Small Business Server. And Microsoft Small Business Server, then... What do you mean? We're still taking it
3: out. It's still running.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But SBS, as it was known, uh, many of us I built an it. entire MSP oh, around yeah. SBS, yeah. so we, you know, not dissimilar, Scott, to what you're doing now. You're building around the Microsoft stack, but back in the day, around a server in the corner that ran Microsoft Small Business Server. Now, if we rewind a little bit, so SBS was a really well-loved product, and you can still hear people talk about it today. I love but it. Microsoft then made the announcement. I think it was about 2011. I'm going to say around that sort of time, and they said, uh, "Yeah, we're we're killing." Uh, Microsoft small business server, there is no versions of it coming anymore. And the entire MSP industry went cray cray. They were like, what? This is what our business is going to go. You are the, you're horrible people, blah, 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 blah. And I wrote a blog post and you can still find it now. And it was like, SBS is dead. Long live a world of alternative options. And some people absolutely kicked the crap out of me and said, you are so full of it. (laughs) SPS is going to go, the industry is going to die. I was like, no, there's like loads of other options to SPS, loads, but you're just not aware of them because you've only been spoon fed. You've only looked at what Microsoft I've given you. And again, this is not bashing Microsoft got a great relationship with them. Love the guys. But there are alternative options. So if you fast forward to the modern day, the current equivalent and I saw Nick said, uh, Nick Smith in the chat said, looking at Azure, he said, trying to compete on selling Azure con- consumption is pointless. He says it's a race to the bottom with Distis living off rebates, smaller MSPs can win by wrapping value around. 100%. Azure. I would absolutely agree with that, Nick. And I would go a step further and to say, obviously, there's some cases where it's got to be Azure, it's got to be the Microsoft solution. But look around and see what the other players in the market are doing as well. There's going to be names out there that you have never heard of who are going to be a great fit for you. Now, you know, I wrote full disclosure, uh, you know, I wrote an ebook recently with these guys. So you know, I'm going to be sort of biased, but there's a company called Linode, that uh, you know, are offering alternative cloud solutions to uh, MSPs out there. And I've been banging the drum about the Alternative Cloud for about the last six months, and people are like, oh, yeah, whatever. Linode got acquired a couple of weeks ago by Akamai for $900 million. Mm-hmm. So if you think this is a niche, it is a really big niche, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are options out there. So again, I would encourage everybody Remember the lessons of SBS back in the day. Don't build your business around a specific solution. You want to wrap the value around it and be aware of the alternative solutions out there. And there are many of them. Rant over. So
0: close to a billy. Can you imagine bloody doing, pulling that deal together? Just going, <laughs> oh, we I'm just going, million. Million. No, yeah, no. just, just Just slip a casual hundred million there so I can say that I've done a billy deal. <laughs> yeah. <Hey, hey, hey. laughs> <laughs> i agree 100 um and let me just say holy heck i loved sbs back in the day it was such an amazing product like 03 sbs 03 i reckon was my favorite product in the msp space um or in the, the tech space i used to when that thing just solved so many challenges for a small business out there it was freaking awesome and yes i for the first couple of weeks when sbs got cancelled in you know or when the, that news came out i was I, didn't, I wasn't public about anything, and I, I had friends out there that were publicly lambasting Microsoft and bashing or whatever, and I, but I was scared, and I was in the background going, holy crap, like what's going on here? Like what do I do? My business is – I'm going to struggle here. Um, but that was when I was – like I, we quickly pivoted to going, hey, the, like, that means they're making a decision to go all in on something else, and that was BPOS at the time. And so we yeah. quickly pivoted across to that, and, um, and holy crap, that was the best decision we made ever It's just going where the big guys can see where they're going to go and and running on that coattails there, but it was a bit scary, so I get it. And that those sort of situations happen all the time out there. They they happen when we even right now it's happening with this whole NCE experience in Microsoft is they're going through a similar-ish kind of scenario where so you hush your companies. mouth,
3: it's a dirty yeah. week for NCE. I, sh-
0: I shouldn't have mentioned the the three letters <laughs> on this thing, should I? <laughs> not three minutes no. before the end. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> my, not this week. My throat cut. we're
3: we're still taking SBS out, like SBS twenty. twenty. it's 2022 this stuff's 11 years old imagine how old the hardware is that it sat on i'll I'll tell a funny story
1: about sbs 2011 uh we've talked about books and authoring books and it's a great content marketing strategy the very first book deal published book deal that i ever had uh was for a book where i wrote about small business server 2011. now i got i can't remember how many chapters there was in that book. let's just say there was 20 got like 18 chapters in, I was speaking to my editor and I can remember emailing them and saying, book's almost (laughs) finished. When I got the email saying, (laughs) you can guess where this is going, small business over 2011 is being cancelled. Canceled. I got in touch with my friends at Packet Publishing and said, it's over do you want me to finish the book and they're like i, I genuinely can't remember if you are going to have a look have a see if you can find the book richard sub sbs 20 uh 2011. he may still be out there uh, or whatever i still got paid either way so thank you for the team at packet publishing but there you go uh try don't ever write a book about a product or if you do make sure you you speak to the product team and say you're not going to yank this product before i release my book <laughs>
0: All right. Does anyone have any parting thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up, before anybody else mentions those three nasty letters anymore? Uh, only,
2: I guess, a question to Scott, where it is probably a time at the moment. Mikey, um, there's a thread going on in the tribe about the alternative options for Mikey. What, what are some of the good ones to, to look at? What have you been looking at?
3: So the, the most popular one I've seen in that thread is Keeper. Um, which seems to be the one that we have, we have a great relationship with Brigantia as a distribution house here in the UK, um, and they resell Keeper. So it is the most likely option that we're going to go for. We've been using Um, it for years. I haven't looked too far. We've previously used products like Dashlane, LastPass. Um, I know you're a big advocate of 1Password. So that's definitely on the the list to have a look at as well. Uh, But the community seems to be steering us towards Keeper and saying they're having a really fantastic experience.
2: I think Keeper's like the only one that has an MSP-focused product because right. I, I know One Password and I don't think Dashlane or LastPass I don't think they have MSP-based right. right. where you can, you. Kind of you can. I'm guessing Keeper, create clients and store passwords within. You can the yeah,
0: it's multi-tenant panel. Those in the to your clients as well. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and then, you know, Nike had this nice approach where it was completely decentralized. And so there wasn't the risk that a central password repository, master password or master encryption key could get hacked and everyone would be exposed. It was one of the nice things that we really, you know, valued about it. But yeah, I think you know Keeper for us is is where we're most likely to go. So right now, I'd encourage people to check that out if they're they're looking for a MyKey alternative. Just
0: just know that you might struggle to talk to a sales rep this week if you are trying to kiss to <laughs> people. Yeah, Keeper
3: sales team have exceeded their sales
1: goals. Oh yeah, just going to say that. Yeah. So, yeah. There's
0: also uh, IT glue
2: and MyGlue. That's it's... that's what I'd I'd certainly would be looking at nowadays. And um, there's one we used way way back when, uh, Secret Server by Dicotic. Dicotic or whatever it is really random one that I I really struggled to find I don't know how I came across it but actually that was a really good option it was a self-hosted option so you can install it on your own systems and it had so many features you could give it to clients it had browser plugins there was a lot to it and it was actually quite affordable for what it was too Um, It just
0: reminded me of what we used to use in our MSP before Keeper and all of these other ones were out and was called Password State, which was similar to that. And it was awesome because it had AD integration. So it completely connected Mm -hmm. into our AD. So all of our, and it audited everything, every password touch and whatever, all in a SQL database. And um, and that was another awesome one back then. I don't even know if it's still around to this day, but it was self-hosted. So you didn't have to pay a vendor or anything outside the mix. Mm -hmm. You just purchased it, self-hosted and paid license renewals each year, which is pretty good. I would just like to make a point
3: to all those little MSPs out there and all the big MSPs out there who are looking at password managers like Keeper. And if you're putting your password in Keeper or IT glue, we we have that option as well. And you're putting the username and the password, and then you're putting the MFA token in right the same to password it. manager. Yep. That is not multifactor, that is the same <laughs> place. Yep. Okay? Think McFly. Exactly. Think. <laughs> if someone gets in, they've got everything.
0: Exactly. I think um I think it's good. Like the way we do it is that because we, we use Keeper and then we use a separate MFA tool. Um and the way we have it is that there is that whole security versus usability with having your MFA sitting next to some of the records in there, but it's never for anything that has got any chance of ever having a problem. Like Spotify accounts or anything like that are perfectly fine to put in there. And Spotify is probably a bad example. But things where there's no customer data, there's no financial data, there's no nothing, and it doesn't matter if someone hacked in, will do the reliability, sorry, the the usability of putting it in Keeper. Everything else has to have their two FA sitting off in a different system. We won't put it yeah. next beside it. But I know a couple of MSBs that that do and live by that. And I, to me, kind of scares me a little bit. But you've got to you got to draw your own lines where you're you're happy with it. Yeah. But it is a very important point because some people I see have just looked at it and gone, ah, oh, cool. Would we'll it throw all our two FA things in here without thinking exactly what you said, Scott? Like it's not really two FA and it's all in the same damn spot in there. <laughs> anyway. Um, Jason Watts says, hello. Hey, Mr. Jason Watts. Hopefully you didn't join us just then and joined in but um, because you're missing out on, uh, or you, we're about to press the end button in about 30 seconds. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully you've been here for a while. Jason is a, a legendary tech tribe who's been around for many, many years uh, and uh, is hopefully going to come up and visit me one of these years when restrictions are allowed, where restrictions are lifted. Uh, but anyway, we will come up with a topic for next week. Pete, you're our exit man. The whatever you call them. We should have a, a title for it. Yeah. Jason yeah. did just join. so Anyway, hit the rewind button, Jason, and go all the way back. Rewind an hour. And, um, go back an hour and start yeah. again.
2: <laughs> Thank you everyone for joining us again. Thanks for watching. Thanks for asking questions and commenting. Uh, make sure you subscribe underneath Scott's on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, oh, please do head over to YouTube if you're not already down that way make sure you uh what where, where else are we we are on pl- podcast platforms we're on yeah. podcasts we we do audio as well <laughs> as video so um on your favorite podcast platform on google on spotify on apple all those kind of places and um i think that's everything is that it everything or missed anything
0: no you you will miss out on our ridiculously good looking faces if you join us on a spotify <laughs> uh, or podcast platform so um i'd highly encourage you to all jump here on here on linkedin and make sure that you yeah looking at <laughs> Scott <laughs> hiding behind his I've got one of those things too. I've got an original, first it edition. It looks as good as this, though. I don't oh. know. First edition.
2: <laughs> well, I just um. I know we're not allowed to sell anything, but Scott, you're just about to launch something, aren't you?
3: Oh, yes, uh, we did on the first of March. So uh, M365 masterclass. So I would very much appreciate if anyone wants to go and have a look in there. A quick 30 second plug would be it is just the answers that you need for configuring things inside M365 when you need it. It's not a training course. It's designed for very busy. IT techs in, in companies or IT techs in MSPs who like, you know what, it's been a lifetime since I've configured MAM policies or endpoint or autopilot, I just want a two or three minute video that shows me exactly how to do it. And it's up to date with today's portal because it changes every five minutes. Masterclass m365masterclass.com. Where do they find Please? that? M365masterclass.com.
0: While you were saying it, i rudely be interrupted. <laughs> No, you're
3: okay. But no, we it's 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 done by us. It's our consultants. And we're right. continually just updating the content in there. So there's like 80 videos in there right now, all like Ooh. two minute, three minute, exact how to get in, get what you right. need to do and get on with your day. That's the whole idea because we get it. Everyone's busy. And you can't stay on top of everything that happens in the Microsoft portals, all the different portals. So we're just there like the, we we do this every day for a living, and every time we see something's changed, we're like, right, go and update that video right. because the portal's different okay. or the license is different, and so we're just committed to keep adding to that as much as we possibly can. Right. and you know for people when they're signing up we want feedback as well did we get it wrong could we do it better what else do you want and we'll we'll get it all in there but it's it's going really well we've got a load of people who've signed up straight into trials for us in in this first week oh. and so we're delighted to see the enthusiasm you know from the community so yeah thank welcome. you sorry I wasn't yeah. meant to make it sales pitch well, but
2: welcome to Bendelane <laughs> this episode was sponsored by MSP
0: masterclass by Cloud <laughs> <Network>. <laughs> That's
3: right yeah 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 You are now one of these dirty slimy
0: vendors we were just talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
3: In that case, can I get all the customer details and
0: sell, sell, (laughs) sell? Exactly. In saying that, though, make sure you get a tribal perk up in the tribal perk platform for it. I I want to talk to you about that. Yeah,
3: I've got a discount code that's ready to go, so I'd love to get that in the tribal perks. We'll
0: we'll click the end stream button and I can talk to you about that right now. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Have an awesome week. We'll figure out some sort of topic for same time, same place next week, and we'll see you all then.